Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe the best way? No, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast and these are our stories. Well, how, Sonny, did you like to go into a really tough basketball game with a forward you never played with before? Oh, no, the chemistry is everything. And that's one of the biggest things we hear from our, our patients is uh, you, you go in there. It's a, it's a comfortable, relaxed feeling, the communication, you know, the vibe, the whole vibe. And how can you perform? I perform my best when I've got my best people. And you have your best people when you've worked with them and trained them and trust them. And they train and they trust you. And the patient just buys what, what, you're, what you're selling, which is just, you and you have confidence when you know that person you know they got your back or they got everything you need so i couldn't agree more you know what i find fascinating with what you said though and i still do and i heard you say that before is here's someone who's you know i I just think ultra successful but but just very high character high quality person like yourself and they have no problem knocking on doors to build their business literally that figures he literally knocking on doors to, to build their business. And there's some docs that think I'm just going to hang the shingle and here's what I'm going to do. You know, you, you, you have to, I think the key word is hustle. You have to hustle. And I just think it's fantastic. And I, I, I talk a lot to younger dentists and dentists in different walks of life. And, you know, and I, I relay that story and I have a good friend of mine in New York city when he bought his first practice, he, you know, he had nothing, no money. He, you know, he grew up, he went to 13 different grammars, 13 different schools growing up. And he went junior college route, barely got through, got to dental school, but, you know, barely got through. And now he went to buying his own practice and it was a good situation. He had no cash, no money. He took three credit cards, cash advance, maxed out them. That's the down payment. He bought the practice. And he, he, first thing he did was pay off his credit cards and his account says, you know, miles on top. I mean, he worked, he hustled. I don't, I don't think if you don't have some of that, that, that you miss something. I I think you're missing something. And I, I really think, you know, your story with your father is he didn't give you fish. He gave you a fishing pole. And I think your ability to do what you do, a lot of it is probably coming to fruition because I don't know what you want to call it tough love or whatever you want to say, but he helped you formulate 
what you formulated. I can't imagine though, that you didn't just pick up so many things. Like when your dad was talking to the hamburger supply guy and he's talking about delivery times or when he's talking to other uh, entrepreneurs or other owners of businesses about how they do things that that just becomes part of your DNA and, and, and you put it to good use. So I, I just, I, I think it's phenomenal. So my next question is, as you open that first, you've done all your research, you're opening up, you've got, you know, um, you know, you're kind of got your, your debt service is high, but you're out humping it. You're getting it done. What was your business model? Did you have an idea of your business model? Like when you were bringing people in, were you going to say, I'm going to participate in insurances? What was your business plan to proceed in the dental world? I would say my business plan was, I assumed that there was a business plan out there. I mean, I saw, <laughs> you know, my dad started Circle K, uh, Circle 3 restaurant with his two buddies and it failed and they realized that franchise don't fail. Well, I figured that um so i started um chasing down all the ce and i was taking four or five hundred hours here every weekend i could i was getting out there i spent six weeks at panky and dawson and and lvi and every place i could go i got my fag magd and it, it, it literally took me about five or ten years to say damn, nobody really knows the business of dentistry. There isn't a plan. I watched, um, I watched Gaspar Lazarus. He was the first big actor. He got a $100 million line of credit and took Orthodontic Centers of America to the New York Stock Exchange. And it was the first one to get a billion-dollar valuation and exploded better, prettier than anything you've ever seen at the 4th of July. It just went up in flames. $99 a month. Yeah, and and I I realized that um it, it was it was it was it was all new. I mean, you you didn't talk about money. I I, I remember a, a tough conversation I had with my mom one time. I was opened up, and I one day I had a really good day, and I finished up my books, and and I called my mom. I called home, mom answered. I said, Mom, you're not gonna believe this. I said I made a thousand dollars a day, and there was this big pause. She goes, Howie, that that's gross. What what would you tell me? You got someone's tooth pulled tell me you got someone out of pain but I, you, you're a doctor you don't call up your mom and say you made a thousand i mean it, it was taboo it was gross it was it was you know they you know they don't do that at church and school and dental offices mm -hmm. and i started realizing that my god none of these people know their costs nobody knows what's going on so then i even got dumber so i thought okay obviously stan bergman um, uh, Henry Shine's a legend. Pete Frechette. I like Pete Frechette of Patterson uh, the most because um, my sister's uh, cloistered Carmelite monastery was in Lake Elmo. So uh, when I went to visit her, I need to spend four hours and one minute somewhere to make it an IRS tax section. So I would fly to um, Minneapolis, St. Paul and spend four hours and one minute with Pete Frechette of Patterson. Or I'd go over to 3M. They had this little... I forgot her name. My gosh, she was um, she was their head scientist. She was uh, Sabrika, Samrina. Um, she's a little five foot tall lady that developed all their products, and she'd take me to a grease board and do organic chemistry until my mind melted. And I mean, it was just amazing. And then That's as soon as fair. it was as soon as it was lunchtime, uh, I go spend the rest of the day with my sister and fly home. And um, I remember I, I saw, I, I caught the light. It was talking to Pete Frechette. I was up there telling him how crappy 
Eaglesoft was in Effingham, Illinois, which is where Rick Workman of Heartland started. And I went over to Melville, New York, and I was telling Stan Bergman that, you know, Dentrix is the most horrible thing in the world, and they're all looking at me strange. And then I realized I'm talking to Pete Frechette. He's taking notes. Remember those rainbow tablets where they had the Indian rainbow on the on the cover, and it was the white lines, and I said, Oh my God, he's taking notes with a pencil on a rainbow tablet Mm -hmm. and there's no computer in this room. And then I realized that everybody who said they love Dentrix sells it and everybody says they loves it and buys it can't tell you one answer to any question you could ask them. I mean, it's like saying, hey, hey, how's that car? Oh, it's perfect. Have you ever seen it? No. You ever driven it? No. You ever started it up? No. You ever driven around the block? No. You know, and um, so I realized that um, that it was early. I mean, imagine it was just early and the, the computers were starting to come. Um, I, I, um, Stan Bergman though, did do something for me that I really love him for it. Um, he, um, he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He got one of his senior management. It was a uh, young lady with an MBA. Um, and he said, you know what? He goes, do this. He goes, this guy, he believes what he's saying. And I can tell he's passionate. He totally believes this. And he lectures. He's got a big footprint out there. He goes, I want you to go survey the user. So she picked and he goes, and do a large sample. So instead of 10, 20, 100, she did 1,000 dentists. She sent 1,000 Dentrix users a letter and asked them what features they liked the most, what they didn't like, and then subtly asked them, if they would like any of these features that I was talking about, which was hooking up Dentrix to Quicken, hooking up Dentrix to TurboTax so that you could know your damn cost, you know, and so everything would be in one system. No, 1,000 dentists, no one wanted any of my features. And guess what the number one most wanted change was on her deal? And she flew all the way to Phoenix and sat with me and Lori and... You could tell that she was about ready to cry with just so many answers. Guess what the number one requested thing from 1,000 Dentrix users surveyed wanted? The future of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan, or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team. You want my answer? Uh, it's something to do with the color scheme of the screen. It was or changing the color of the font. <laughs> I mean, it's like, and that was when, I mean, I love my homies, and they probably wish I talked differently, ate differently, dressed differently, was different. I know we all have things that annoy each other. I know I'm an annoying guy, but my God, if, the, if you use Dentrix and the thing that concerns you is the color of the font, I'm from Earth and you're from the planet Uranus. I mean, I don't know where the hell this comes from. So then I realized, my God, I, I, I have to give up on my homies. My homies, I mean, they went to school eight years. You, you know what my what my love is in dentistry, my thing is? I never liked the cosmetic dentistry because, first of all, I'm not going to walk up to some girl and say, you know, you'd look a lot better if you'd bleach your teeth and get veneers. She's looking at me like, yeah, well, why don't you get a tan, wear a wig and lose 50 pounds, you know? And, and uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I could never look at any woman on earth 
and and suggest a way she could look prettier. I mean, especially going yeah. with five sisters. That, that's just gross. But when someone comes in, my favorite patients, when they have to have the glass of ice water, they have to keep sw- <laughs> rinsing cold over their mm-hmm. tooth. They can't sleep. Um, yep. If they're stammering their foot, Oh my God! I'm it's love at first sight. I'm I'm a I'm a fireman. I don't want to pull up and check your sprinklers. I want to pull up and the damn house is engulfed in flames and there's a kid in there. I, if I was a police officer, I'd want to be running down the street trying to tackle a bad guy. I I want the toothache. That's that's my thing. I I love that thing. And um, they didn't go to school to learn the difference in a statement of cash flow, so a balance sheet, and a statement of income. They don't. That I've never met a dentist that knows the return on asset or the return on equity, but I can pick up the phone right now and call um, Steve Thorne, Steve Build, um, oh my God, Bob Fontana, um, um, Rick Workman. Every one of them would tell me they're 2020 return on equity, their 2020 return on asset. They, they, they'd give me any number I asked for off the top of their head. And um, so I, you know, I love that business part of it. And that, so the, so DSOs, we already know they can't go rural because their workforce. So here, here's the DSO playbook. It's real simple. When you come out of school, you're, you, you're going to go work for them because you want a job. And you don't want to hire some kid out of school that's done three fillings in their whole life uh, when you could get someone, you know, at least I don't. I've, I've done that for years. It's it's a horrible thing watching a dental kindergartner do their first hundred root canals. And then when they leave my office, you know, they, they place a hundred implants and, and they made money off. They made 25%, but I'm going to have to go send one out of five or one out of six to some periodontist to redo the whole thing a year or two or three years later. Same thing with their root canals. It just, it just doesn't work. Um, but, and then that's why DSOs are taking away molar root canals and implantology from their general dentist. They're having endodontists come in for two reasons. The um, Delta is making this playbook happen because Delta will give me $650 for a molar root canal, but they'll give an endodontist $1,200. So if I do, if I pay an associate, 25% of 650. If I brought in endodontist, I'd be paying him 50% of 1200. And then if the general dentist root canal goes bad, all the malpractice people know, well, if I get a judgment against them from the board, um, they're going to lose and they'll know that going to a trial is going to be 15 to $40,000. So as long as I ask for 10,000 or less, they're going to have to write a check because it's cheaper than going to court. But if it's a specialist, they're, they're not going to play the game because he's just going to say, I'm a specialist. I did everything I could. It didn't work. So what are you going to bring in? Howard and Sonny. We're not into Donis. We, we, we're not going to change the jury's mind. So everybody's bringing specialists for that. But, but they, they, so they're only going to work for someone else for the first five years. So that's 6,000 a year for five years. That's 30,000. They got 30,000 doctors to play with. And, um, and those doctors come out of school at the end of World War II. They got married at 45, at, at 16 to 18 and had five and a half kids. Now they push that back a decade to 27. So they come out of school. They're a single primate. 
The only thing they want to do is attract another primate to reproduce and have offspring. Well, you're not going to go to Parsons, Kansas with 12 people if you could go to Kansas City and have a million primates to choose from. So the millennials, so they're not going rural. So half of America is exempt from DSOs and they're all going to go to the urban and they're going to go to the urban and they're only going to have 30,000 employees. That, 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 that's about all they got to work with. And they're going to crush it in better location, better equipment, better marketing, better advertising, better all the business functions. And the way they're going to lose it is just one relation at a time. You know, your favorite dental assistant, she got mad and she quit and you have a different dental assistant. And then that's not bad when she gets mad and quits. What's really bad is she won't give your favorite assistant a full-time job because it's cheaper to get a temp. Really, it's cheaper to not have a relationship. Yeah, do do you think that the NBA that w- within a while we're going to find out that the best team in the NBA is the NBA Temps, and if you're playing a game on Big Night, you just call the NBA Temps, and they'll send you some. I mean, it's just so stupid. And and so then when you have the temporary turnover, you have the doctor turnover, you have the patient turnover. I've been out here thirty years. I love the DSOs because, you know, before the DSOs. There was no dental office open Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Arizona for several decades. Now the DSOs are open Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. I actually like the DSOs on a Saturday when one of my patients called. I say, dude, go down to Reese's Orthodontics and Braces, and they they have for every orthodontist they have three general dentists. They're open till 8 p.m. tonight, and if you call them up and tell them how we sent you, they'll say how we who, but they'll take you anyway. And um, so um, you know, I I love the competition. I love the service. Uh, but uh, my gosh, every patient that ever comes back, they only have one story. They only have one story, and that is, well, you know, I went in there, and they said I had four fillings, so I came back, and I was going to do two of them, one appointment, two of them, the other appointment. I came in. I did two. I came back for the final two. That that doctor don't even work there no more. And then they introduced me to this other person, and that other person said that I had three cavities. I'm like, John said I had four, did two. I only had two more. Now Susie says I have three. What the hell's wrong with that place? And it's like, well, they're probably all right, and they probably, everybody made a great decision, and it, it just looks like they're a chicken running around with their head cut off. And I'm sorry this happened to you, but you know what they said? What was it? Was it Cheers? They want to go where everybody, everybody knows, knows their name. name. Yeah. And yeah. when I go, I saw this with hygienists at the first deal. It was weird because I had hygienists. They pre-appoint the recall because if a hygienist sees eight people and she only reappoints, she only schedules six for a recall, well, I know right away she's killing one-fourth of my practice one day at a time. And then I would tell her, so then what I do is kind of the, the military thing. I tell all the hygienists they can't leave until the head hygienist uh, lets him go, and the head hygienist can't let him go until the office manager lets him go. And no one's going home until we fill out these reports. And one is, how many cleanings did you do today? How many were pre-appointed? So if you did eight and pre-appointed eight, and she did eight, pre-appointed eight, but this girl did eight and only pre-appointed four, she's going to sit there and eat a donut while the other two 
call her other four patients and try to reschedule them for six months because that's the peer pressure that says, Amy, if you do that to me one more time, I swear to God, girl, I'm going to pull off your ponytail when you walk out that back door. You know, a team deal, and I'm not going to let a hygienist destroy a quarter of my practice every night. I mean, you, got, you, can't, you can't fix these things at the end of the year with a Christmas bonus. These are things you do one day at a time. And uh, my gosh, um, you know, you would you would build those offices and um you know if if um the hygienist would go on a maternity leave so i'd say okay and this is the funniest one this is the funniest story ever to me personally i don't know if you'll think it's funny but anyway so we had these two hygienists and one we thought was a butcher because we had cavatrons and we had um we had the 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 uh, customer and after every cleaning you would sit up you'd rinse and spit in the customers like chunks of blood and tissue and it was just i mean she just beat the hell out of you and um she went on a baby leave and we put in another girl who um just um was just a regular normal great hygienist didn't hurt you every patient's like well, I don't even feel she did my clean. I didn't feel pain once. My God, when Missy's cleaning my teeth, oh my God, I'd lightning and and when you sit up, you'd spit and there'd be chunks of. And I'm like, oh my God, this girl is training people that if you just don't have the holy hell beat out of you, you you didn't get your money's worth. And then we had another one that always used this um, baking soda thing yeah, and, yeah, and, and oh my god and 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 then the next person when you use a profi jet and they come out front and say you know when missy clean my teeth she'd spray that off and there was baking powder in my hair and my shirt hell at night i'd take my clothes off there'd be baking powder underneath my clothes and and i don't think that girl did anything and i'm just like you know there's no right or wrong it's what were you expecting? Satisfaction equals perception of what just happened minus what I expected. They were expecting to have the crap beat out of them and then final insult to injury, spray them off of this baking powder soda machine gun and then kick them in the nuts right when they're ready to leave. And they're like, that was the best cleaning ever. And then you, and so, um, so the, what I'm trying to say is this, you want to go where everybody knows your name and if you can't keep your doctors working there and your staff working there, and when you go to other industries, like you'll say, okay, Southwest Airlines is the most profitable airline industry. Okay, yeah, they have lower prices, yada, 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 yada. But their average employees with them seven years. And then you go to other airlines. So in other of the 16 industry sectors that I was shown in MBA school, the people who kept their employees the longest were the winners in profitability and market growth and segment. And the DSOs have one, a couple of glaring problems that I would recommend. Number one, stop the staff turnover. Um, if, 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 they, if this is their assistant, designate her. Remember in sports, you have a franchise player. Well, make, let them pick a franchise assistant. That's always going to be there. And if you got a bumper pay from 10 to 20 to 20 to 25, I don't care. He's got to go to work every day and have his girl Friday. And if he is willing to do free dentistry on someone because that's his special place, that's why he went to school, you better support his special place because if it's all about the money, then I'm married to a whore. I'm married to a prostitute, and that's not why. I didn't go to school eight years to marry a hooker. Well, I think that's that's your DSO issue, right? If the DSO is so hard and fast and true to their facts and their numbers, 
that's going to rule and determine everything. And I think that's, that's ultimately to me, the, the downfall um, uh, of, of it, because it's going to be, you know, money first, people second. I mean, we have two, two, um, two healthcare systems in our area. And, and one is uh, Lords, which is um, actually Catholic base. And the other one is UHS, which is, and, and, and almost every single physician belongs to one or the other. And, they're, they have different strengths on either way, on either one, but you go into one facility, you're going to feel like you're treated like a number. You're going to go into another facility, you're going to be treated like a person. Like I've been in both, I've, I've seen doctors in both, but you know, perfect example, if I go into one place, nobody makes eye contact, everyone is down, everyone is hustling, bustling, they have no time for anybody. I go in the other place and I'm looking at the elevator for the, someone will see me, make eye contact and they'll come over and say, Oh, you're looking for, you know, obstetrics or you're looking for, you know, um, ophthalmology. That's you're going to go into the second L just anybody. I mean, it could be a custodian. So to me, it's, it's very, very similar in terms of how they deliver their healthcare to the people that just walk into their hospitals. You know, it's just, it's so obvious. So I got, I got to ask you, so, now you, you, you're in your practice and you get it going. You got two hygienists and you're working. Uh, at what point did you look at and say, okay, um, am I just taking every single person that comes in? How am I doing with insurances? Did you look at that stuff and did it cause you to reflect and change your, any policies or modify it? Cause I mean, you're looking at your number, you're looking at your day sheets, you know, you're talking about your, your profit and loss statements and your, um, I forget what it's called, but your, you know, that sheet you said when you pulled out of Sonic, you know, and, and you get that that information. You're looking at that routinely. You're just a young young guy, and you know you're starting to make some money. Did you evaluate how you were doing your business at that point? And if you did, what kind of changes did you make? You know, that's a great question, Sonny. And I would say I was going to all these courses, but what I was really what I obviously what happened with me is I was spending the first 10 years looking for my franchise team. I was going to courses. Like when I bought, um, at the time, the best software out there was um, um, in 87. Uh, it was owned by Kodak. Um, what the hell was it? Uh, yeah. Soft, soft End? So, well, yeah, Kodak. Well, Kodak had practice works. Yeah, right? yeah, and, and, and Soft End. Soft End, then practice works. And um, so I, um, when I got the soft end, I said, well, who's the best soft end trainer in the state of Arizona? And they said, well, it's Sandy Wilkinson by far. So I called it Sandy Wilkinson. She wanted to set up a training schedule. I said, Sandy, everyone tells me you're the best. I don't want to hire you to train my staff. I want to hire you to be on my team. And she said, well, you can't afford me. I, I, I'm all this and a bag of chips. And I said, well, what is that number? And she told me the number and I went, bam. And then hired her. And so for me, the first 10 years, because um, if you look at um, if you look at everyone that runs this place, they've all been here 20 years or more. I mean, Lori, Stacy, Ken, Marcy. I mean, I got a I got a whole um, team of two decade plusers that run this whole thing. So what I was looking for when I opened up is not so much, um, you know, Howie, does he want to make a, um, a, a frozen pizza and salad at a grocery store? Does he want to make a hot pizza and salad at a Pizza Hut? Or does he want to make a high-end Italian restaurant pizza? I mean, it wasn't so much that. It was about 
what was my team going to look like and what did they want to do and and taking them to all these courses by, by the way you know um, I've lectured a thousand times and I've got uh, my FHD, MHD, all that stuff like that and there's just two people at every course there's the the people where the entire row is the office and then the row behind them is just a bunch of single dentists saving money who are going to learn everything and take it back to their staff. And it's never worked one time. And you could just go there and pick up everyone's 1040 to the IRS and everyone who brings the whole row to the office. They all make two or three times more than all the guys coming alone. And over um, p- picking up my team, finding my lawyer. I mean, my Lori walked out of me on the interview and I had to chase her down in the parking lot because I was um, um, running behind on a root canal and she had a one o'clock appointment and my God, she gave me 15 minutes and she's like, I'm, I'm not working for some asshole that's 15 minutes late for an interview. And she walked out and I got up there about 17 after and I said, Where, where's that, where's that Lori girl? They go, oh, she said that, you know, you know, you can't even do an interview on time. She's done. And I saw I, I'm running out across the parking lot and pleaded her to come back in and let me interview her and all this stuff. But, you know, she's, I mean, she's amazing. I, I can say that about so many people. And um, so for me, because um, I know when I walked in uh, Sonic uh, Industries Incorporated in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, I mean, those were all lifers in there i knew when i went into dan carney's at pizza those were all lifers they were all on the same page there was no one at pizza saying we should do a high-end italian restaurant what the hell's all this pizza crap and it was his wife beverly i'll never forget it she's the one who took him to prime time because think about this you go buy an acre, you go you go put a pizza, say you buy a half acre, and the, the land might be, it depends on where you are, are you in Beverly Hills in Manhattan, or are you in Parsons, Kansas? So the land could be anywhere from 100,000 to 500, let's just say it's 250, and the box on there, that little 2,800 square foot box, there's another 250, the guts inside, it's another 250. They got about 750,000 bucks into the land building in the pizza hut. And everybody wants to eat at lunch 12 to one, and you come in there and everybody stands up, they got 20 tables, and someone seats them and then someone gets their drink order then brings them their drinks and takes their food order and gets their food and then about they eat and they leave after one hour so they have 20 tables it costs $750,000 go figure your return on asset on a $750,000 that 20 tables and uh, and that was a deal and Beverly numbers 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 she kept doing the numbers she's she kept taking all the orders dividing them by the number of people and I can remember her before they even switched this yelling at Dan saying Dan I I don't care how many pizza huts we have how many restaurants we have the damn order the average order it's always under 250 so let's do a 295 all you can eat buffet you come in you make your drink you get all the food you want because they're gonna get all their drink and food they're gonna be eating in 10 minutes and they're gonna be gone in 30 so now instead of 20 tables flipping once an hour, we got 20 tables flipping twice. That means we get to save a $750,000 land building in Pizza Hut. And they did that. One thing by Beverly. One thing. Boom. Oh, next thing you know, that was a billion. They were gazillionaires, sold to PepsiCo. So you need that. Where's your Beverly? 
A lot of times it's your wife. It was Dan Carney's wife. Sometimes it was his brother, Frank. But who's your Beverly? Is it your wife? Is it your office manager? Um, some dentists will sit there and say, well, you know, my biggest problem is my wife. She never helps me. Well, hell, I don't even have a wife. I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. I got Lori. I got Stacy. I got Dawn. I got all these people that have been with me forever through good times and bad, sickness and health, death to us part. So I would say the first 10 years, I was looking for my team. And you see that in sports. Like if someone takes over, who's the worst team in the NFL? Um, who, who's Right now? Browns? Yes. Oh, the oh, the Jets. So have they won a game yet? <laughs> yeah, the Jets or the Jaguars are fighting it out for being the worst. Okay, so but. if you if you were the new head coach of the Jets, everybody's going to give you a freebie card as a building year, a building team, and it's going to take a monster of a man several years to rebuild that whole team from the ground up. And he's going to go in there and he's going to start from scratch. And so I would say the first 10 years, I wasn't trying to find out, is it frozen pizza, warm pizza, or high-end Italian uh, pizza? My deal was, where's my girl Friday? Where's my team? Who's who's my lifer? Who's going to be with me, death do us part, good times and bad, sickness and health, and, and right now, I mean, I, 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 I've always say this, and they'll laugh and say it's not true, but it's absolutely true. They probably shoot down nine times out of ten of all my ideas because I don't ever go in there and play the dictator card and say, we're doing this, and it's my way or the highway. They, they would laugh. And if I force it on them, they would all quit. And that's another thing. You know, it's nice. You know, when you work for me or Dental Town or anybody who's ever left here, they just say, oh, I worked for Howard for 10 years. They immediately get a job, big companies, big dental, big whatever, because they figure they figure that, that that's damn good place to start. It's better than having no dental experience or whatever. So they all, I know for a fact Every single one of my management team could leave here today and make more money tomorrow at Ivaclare, Danaher, any any big ass companies like Dental Town. I have one magazine and and Ortho Town. Dental Economics is owned by Penwell. They have a hundred magazines. Some of those dental magazines are owned by companies that own a thousand magazines. They could all make more money, bigger titles, go somewhere else. But you know what? They're they're into this team and they're into this mission and they're into this franchise. And they've got several decades into this deal. So I would say, I would say that the DSOs are gonna get a they're gonna score higher grades on everything that doesn't have to do with the human and then the small town individual is going to own the rule and they're going to own the customer if they because they'll, they'll own the relationship i mean i go into any dental office i don't care how pathetic it is they've had the same dentist for 40 years so they're getting an a in something you know what i mean yeah. i mean i mean if you ever walk in there it's the same guy so you already beat 99% of the DSOs, and I just showed you the worst dentist in Cleveland. But at least it's the same damn dentist in Cleveland. It ain't a new one every week. So um, the individual's going to win the people. The DSOs are going to win the statement of income, the balance sheet, the statement of cash flow, and uh, and Wall Street doesn't want anything to do with them. I got I got 41,000 followers on LinkedIn because that's where all the 
dental manufacturers. That's where all the big money in dentistry. Dental towns were all the dentists are. Facebook's where all the dentists are that can't have anybody disagree with them or anything, or they're defriended and blocked and all that kind of thing. That's where all the bubbles are. And LinkedIn's where all the monies are. I mean, dentistry's 127 billion in the United States. It's it's half a trillion global. Um, probably 40% of that's U.S., Canada, 40% Europe, 20% the rest of the whole world, Asia, Africa, and South America. And I swear to God, I get um, Wall Street guys every single week. They're sending me emails saying can i talk to you and i'm like sure and i give myself one they go i don't get it man and they, they're going over the numbers of some dso deal and it it it, it, it doesn't make any sense i mean i mean it just it just doesn't make sense i mean imagine going on shark tank and i say uh, and and the smartest guy on shark tank is like the smartest guy in any room it's always the bald guy so it's mr wonderful you know he's bald it's obvious he's a smart guy there's no room for hair roots to grow because his brain's so packed and you go mr wonderful i need a million dollars okay what am i gonna do i'm gonna go buy a dental office all right how am i gonna get my money back oh i'm gonna come back next week and ask for another million well, what do you do then i'm gonna buy another dental. okay how am i gonna get my money no every week i just come back and, and then i'm gonna come to you one day and say look look i grew our sales from zero to a billion He's like, yeah, but look at our balance sheet. We got a billion dollars of debt. Most businesses grow in profit dollars. You grow in debt dollars, and it's a lot of debt. And then you got Warren Buffett. He says there's only two industries you don't go into. One is if it has high capital costs. Okay, healthcare. The only thing that has higher capital costs is a nuclear energy reactor. Okay, totally off the charts. He likes like Geico, where just a bunch of people sitting in in uh, cubicles dialing for dollars. And then, said, and then he said, number two, if it, high capital costs, and never go in a business ever if someone else can set your fee. Well, who sets all our fees? The insurance companies. I mean, I met Warren Buffett in 1980. I know what warren buffett says because he has his yearly annual sheet he has his convention yearly he thinks healthcare is insane because it's high capital costs and someone else sets your fee and that's why it's not you're not going to see a lot of these on the wall street journal you're not going to see a lot of them on nasdaq it's a very tribal traditional messed up weird deal i gotta I got ask you as, as you as you're going and um because I, I find it fascinating, but the, the one question I want to ask you, as you have grown your domain, so Dental Town starts as a concept, listen, I want to create a community for dentists to talk to dentists, right? And that's well before Facebook, and that thing has blown up, and it's included, now you have an ortho, uh, you have various other parts of it, but it's inclusive to all dental professionals, as well as sales, as well as businesses, et cetera. So, you have obviously set up some some structure. I want to ask you a question because this goes to your team and what you just talked about hiring the team. And your team today is not what you were hiring for the team when you first started in dentistry, where you need an office manager, you know, some of the normal parts. Now you have a complicated, layered uh, structure. I, I'm, I'm assuming. How did you come about setting up your structure your business structure for a dental town entity and then the other entities as well as your today's dental um that's a great question you know my uncle pat got a job at 
uh, Mobile Oil in Parsons, Kansas when he was 16, and he retired there when he was 65. He had one job. And you know that old story where you start in the mailroom and work your way up to the top? Yep. I love yep. the fact that they started as a dental assistant, then became a front desk, then became yep. an office manager, then moved over to Dental Town. And I would say the one thing that we've had in common the whole time is it's it's, it's every everything I've ever done has one thing in common, it's dentistry. So I'm either doing dentistry, dental mm-hmm. office, talking about dentistry, everybody everybody knows dentistry, but um, you know, I lost a girl after 30 years um for not you know that she just it, it was her and another girl couldn't get along um it's um uh, it doesn't matter you know some of these office teams they all listen to rock and roll and they go to the lake on the weekends and drink beer other ones it's bowling and country music other ones they're all homebodies and they don't do anything together some some offices are literally all alcoholics the only thing they have in common together is they're all alcoholics and i've been trying to find where that office is my whole life and try to get transferred there and don't know where they are uh, but the bottom line is um, people are incredibly complex and look, go back to your college days. My, I mean, one of the dumbest things I ever did was change my roommate so I can move in with my best friend. And I realized, Oh my God, I love this guy, but this is the last guy on the words I'd want to live with. He's a peg. He's a slut. I mean, if he just walked in the room, every cabinet was open, every drawer open immediately, all the laundry was unfolded. I mean, Still love him to this day, but God, day, I'd rather live with Satan than share a room with this guy. So it's all about finding the complex personalities, and they all got to have the same goal, the same mission, the same values, and and they got to have a high tolerance to you know tolerate other complicated people. But I I, I would say, and, and then here's the other thing I would say about that. That wasn't my skill set. I learned very quickly um, that um, I uh, would fall in love with a person on an interview and think they were a great person, but they just, you know, I I was overlooking so many things. And when I go into a dental office and I say, okay, doc, you've been here for 20 years. You don't have one staff member that's lasted here three years. Who the hell is hiring all these people? I do. I say, okay, well, I got 20 years of data that you're fired. You're horrible at this. In fact, I would say any random person in Tyler, Texas could do this better than you. But the dentist owns the place. No one stands up to him. No one says, you're fired. And so when dentists tell me, when they tell me something like, you know what, I I hate endo. Well, I sure as hell, please don't tell me that you do all your own endo. You just told me you hate it. Please tell me you send to an endodontist or have an associate. When you say you hate HR, and then the next sentence is you're in charge of HR, I'm like, okay, this is just sad. So I would say this to Dennis. You know, when you hate something, that's why you're not going to get good at it because you're only going to get good at things you like. Like, I did not like basketball because I had to play against monster tall guys like you. How tall are you? Six five. Yeah, I'm 5'7". I'm I only considered pound per pound and me and my boys, we only did wrestling because there weren't any horse jockeys in, in Wichita. But I, I mean, when, when you're five foot seven, you're only looking at pound per pound sports. You're not going to look at basketball unless you're six, five. Well, if you hate HR, there's probably some good reasons. Maybe you're not six, five in HR. Maybe you're not good with people skills. Maybe you don't even like people, but 
you're, you're not cut out for the job. And I don't know why, and that's why I love sports more than um, politics and business because in sports, every human on earth at one time in their life in grammar school ran, dribbled that ball to the deal and they were going to run up to the deal and they were going to dunk the ball, right? I never touched the net. And when I saw that, I realized I'm never going to dunk the ball. I mean, you see Tiger Woods, you're like, ah, oh, that is so easy. All you got to do is smack it straight down. It goes in the hole and then you go hit it. And then some people on the next green over are ready to punch you because the ball almost killed someone over there. And with sports, you can see, you can see that you suck. But when it comes to politics and economics and business, you're like, you just say the craziest bullshit because you can't see your thoughts. Math, why does every American hate math? Because everyone has to listen to their bullshit at religion, sports, politics, all this crap like that. But in math, you clearly got the wrong answer. So do you say, oh, I'm not very smart. I suck in math. No, you say, I hate math. Like when people come to you and say, well, in school, um, I just wasn't a very good test taker. Oh, you mean you're not smart. Okay, I, I. why don't you just say you're not smart? Why are you now a bad math teacher? Why are you not good in math? Why don't you just say I'm not smart enough to do math? Because if you did that, it would make you humble and realize maybe all this shit you're saying in all these other subjects that you can't measure or see are equally is insane. And when I walk into a dental office and you tell me that that uh, an MOD composite lasts longer than an MOD amalgam, I'm like, dude, if I find a homeless guy living behind a dumpster at KFC and I walk up to him and I hold up the plastic fork from KFC and the metal fork from my kitchen drawer and say, hey, crackhead, which one lasts longer? The tooth colored plastic fork? or the metal one from my kitchen drawer, a crackhead would say, well, the metal one. I mean, who who the hell would think the plastic one? Well, it actually takes eight years of college to wipe out all common sense in your mind and to believe the inert plastic filling lasts longer than the amalgam filling when the filling's gonna be destroyed by biology. It's not gonna, that, that's how they fail, recurrent decay. Let's see, the metal one's half mercury. You never find that in a multivitamin. The other half silver, like silver diamine fluoride, tin, like stannous fluoride. I mean, one's like a toxic napalm bomb made of metal and the other one's an inert plastic fork from KFC and nine out of 10 dentists will pick the plastic fork from KFC. So, you know, so you have to get a team of people of like Lori and Ken and Stacy who can have no problem standing up to your bullshit and saying, well, I don't believe it. I don't see it. I don't think it's going to work. So here's what we do. Instead of going out all balls a blazing, like, really, Howie, you, you think that's going to work? Okay, we're going to, we'll, we'll invest in a BB gun, and I want you to aim right at Sonny's nose and fire it. And if you hit it, oh, you didn't even hit it. We're, we're done. We're moving on. But if you hit your target, okay, we'll give you some more money, and we'll load up, and we'll give you a rifle. And then that hit it. Like, damn, you're right. Let's build a freaking cannon, get everything we got, and shoot it. What do dentists do? They get one idea, they go mortgage the bank, they build one cannon, they shoot the ball, they miss, and then they're done. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, they call it and, and, and it's the same thing with your spouse. The minute you find yourself married to someone that's not going to stand up to your bullshit, you, you, you don't have a spouse. You don't have a best friend. You have an enabler and you need, you need to get on the phone with your mom. I mean, my mama will call me on my shit 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you need that on your business team. You need that in your house. You need that from your mom, you know. You do. You need. You need to surround yourself. Was Abraham Lincoln right? Abraham Lincoln surrounded himself with uh, you know the team of rivals, right? So he had adversaries, quote unquote, on his inner circle, and 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 that's how he, if I understand right, that's how he helped formulate some great moves and great policies, as opposed to just a bunch of yes men, right? People that are just going to tell you what you want to hear because they're afraid that you're going to, you know, be an egomaniac and just pull the cord and say, "Oh, you're fired. You disagree with me." I think that is one of the biggest challenges as dentists that we have is as business people too, creating that right team environment and that right structure that allows for, um, there's cute sayings for, but, you know, basically collective agreement. And, you know, I, I do think as a leader though, you've got to set the course, you got to kind of set your, uh, your uh, vision in terms of where you want to see the practice, but that comes from input from other people. But I think when, when, especially in the pandemic, if it taught us anything, it really showed the people who struggled with leadership, those practices, I think, struggled uh, quite a bit getting back together because they didn't have, I don't think, clear leadership. I think with clear leadership and then you have great teams around you, things can really cook and, and you can recover and pivot, you know. You, so said Abraham, wanna... you said Abraham Lincoln, what does Jimi Hendrix, Bob Marley, Pablo Picasso, Michael Jackson, Howard Hughes have a comment with Abraham Lincoln. They're from Illinois. All of them died without a will. And God dang it, it's every other month some damn dentist dies, huh. kills himself, whatever. And mm. I'm telling you, you know what it's like to sell a practice with no will? So you die yeah. and now they're like, well, we got to sell the practice. And the lawyer's like, well, First, I need his will. And he doesn't have a will. Okay, now it's got to go through probate. Yeah. And then you're like, well, every day we have to tell eight patients they can't come in for a recall and they're going somewhere else. And six months later, by the time this is out of probate, your practice is dead. Yeah, but how are you a doctor of dental surgery? I mean, what was going through Abe Lincoln's head that he didn't have a will? Let me ask you two quick questions, okay? Okay. One, very simple. What would you, what would your advice be to someone right now, young, wet behind the ears, starting out? What would your advice be going into dentistry that wants to be a owner, a businessman, dentist, et cetera? What would your advice be? Well, my advice would be um, to all people is find that time in your life where all you wanted to do was be a dentist where was that place why was it so exciting that's why you're a dentist find that dream number two um if if it's worth dreaming it's worth working hard and hustling and just find that dream work hard hustle and you know um we were talking about 
Jimi Hendrix, Bob Marley, Pablo Piazza, Michael Jackson, Howard Hughes, Abraham Lincoln. I mean, Abraham Lincoln never even went to law school because being a lawyer is one of the only things in America where you don't have to go to law school. If you go past the bar exam, um, you're a lawyer. And Abe Lincoln went and sat in a library for four months and he said, I don't need somebody to read me the book. I don't have the money to go to these fancy Harvards and sit in those classrooms. I'm just going to go sit in a damn library and read the damn law books and he read them all in this little Springfield, Illinois library and when he read all the law books he went and passed the bar exam and he's a lawyer and my god that's hard work it's hustle anybody can fly in an airplane to the Panky Institute and drop $3,000 for a weekend to learn canine guidance but you know what Dentaltown has 400 courses that are $18 that's cheaper than the Uber ride to the airport to get an airplane to fly to another city to stay in a resort. Why do you always have to drop $1,000 when somebody hustling can do it for 15 I remember when I got to town, there was this guy, the most famous guy in practice managers, Omar Reed, and he had a course yeah. that was like $3,000 a weekend. Love the guy. I shouldn't say this because he passed away, but you know what my, my take was on Omar Reed? He's so rich, and he's so old, and he's so wealthy. I'm just going to drive over there and he's going to say, oh, did you sign up and go? And I said, are you kidding? I said, are you kidding? I got $87,000 student loans. I don't have a damn dime. Obviously, I can't afford to take your test. I just want to come by here because someday when I can afford it, I want to come to this course so bad. And he just put his arms out, gave me a big hug, goes, you can go to the damn course for free. I knew he was going to say that before I pulled out of my driveway because that's the kind of guy he he'd rather teach you for free than have an empty seat because he didn't get money. That's not why he was teaching till he was 90 years old is for a dollar. And uh, I played right into his hand. And uh, my gosh, just um, you off, you went, you spent eight years being a dentist. Obviously, something about it really, really got you, put a kick in your foot, a step in your kick. I mean, something got you excited. Find that place work hard, hustle, and if you work harder and hustle harder than any dentist you know for a decade, you'll live off far much better than every dentist you know for the next three decades. So give it all you got for a decade and you'll have more than you need for the next three decades. Okay, I got to end my last question. I've asked everybody this so far, kind of off, off the little outside the box. If you could return or go to any time any time in the you know in the world what time would you go to and and what oh wow i mean would you like to be marco polo and walk <laughs> spend 24 years walking from venice italy to china <laughs> god that would be cool would you like to be sitting in persia while Genghis Genghis Kane uh, Genghis Khan rolled through that'd be crazy i mean I mean, I, I, the first guy that sailed around the world, Magellan, what was it, like 13 ships left and one made it all the way back and everyone else was dead? My God, what a journey. Could you imagine going on a journey with 13 ships and only one made it back alive? I mean, I I just think these are, um, I just think these are great. I remember when all four of my boys past the Marco Polo deal. You know, they always wanted to go with dad to the foreign countries. And uh, they used to sit on those 
15, 18. One, one time I lectured in Cambodia, it took 36 hours from my house to the hotel. We had to fly to San Fran, uh, to Tokyo, to Hong Kong, to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, to Cambodia, to 36 hours. And, and I was ready to die, and they were all so excited because they did their Marco Polo mileage on one trip. And they're like, Dad, one day. We went farther than Marco Polo. So, I, I don't know. I, I, I love the whole damn journey. I'd do it again tomorrow. Um, I don't. If I could go back and meet one person, see one person, uh, probably just be my dad. I mean, if I, could, if I could go back in time and have one meal with one guy, I'd be dad. That's awesome. That's awesome. And someday, right, your hope, right, is maybe your kids say that about you. That's, that's my feeling, too. So. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. I hope well, so. hey, I, I can't thank you enough again. Um, I could talk for hours. Um, I've got two pages of questions I didn't even get to, but uh, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I always uh, appreciate all you've done, and uh, you've done plenty for me. I never forget the time I visited your office, and I think I've told you this, and I sat in your office, and we were watching you because my question was, this guy talks to talk. Does he walk to walk? And, and we, we got you. And you said, hey, are you doing rotary endo? And I was like, no, what are you talking about? You go, you got to do rotary endo. And then and you said, are you doing ortho? And I was like, ortho? You like goes, come here. I'm, I'm going to teach you orthodontics in five minutes. And, and you pulled me aside at my apartment, Tim Lee at the time. And you, and you went through, it's a round wire. And it goes in here and does this. Then you're going to go to rectangle. It's going to do this. And that's it. And I was like, man, I think I could do that. So on my trip, on my flight home, I was I made a, a list in a little yellow legal pad of the things and the steps that I was going to do. And, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to say that I do a lot of things because I've, I've learned from you. So uh, I thank you very much. Hopefully our listeners learned a lot and have a great day and peace to you. Thanks. All, all right, man. Love you to death, Sonny. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the fee for service dentist podcast. If you would like to share your fee for service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, Be sure to join our fee-for-service dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.